This is Beth Butler, and thank you for listening to From the Ground Up, where we chat with people in and around the real estate industry. I have been in the real estate business for 35 years, and much of my experience has been about building the business from the ground up. And I'm pleased to share some of the people who I've met along the way and who have helped me build in this podcast. Today on From the Ground Up podcast, I'm happy to welcome my good friend and co-worker Jeff Polishuk, who's here today to talk about modern day sales management. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Beth. How's it going? It's going really well. I'm happy you could take the time to be here with us today. I am happy to be here on this cold 55 degree day here in Miami. It's actually really nice. (laughs) I think it's a beautiful day outside. The sun is shining. It's a little cold and breezy, but it's a nice excuse to wear a sweater and Uggs. So I'm not going to complain about it. It's a gorgeous day. We'll take it. Thanks, Jeff. So just to go back so that um, everybody knows a little bit about how you and I met, you joined Compass in what year now? I want to (laughs) say fall of 2017. Fall of 2017. Wow. Jeff was actually the premier Zillow account manager for Compass. And he came into the office and we met and started to chat a little bit about Zillow. I really liked him. We stayed in touch. We stayed friends. And he was literally in Miami. Uh, one time he called, says, let's go to lunch. We were sitting at, across from each other at lunch. And I was, he said, so what's going on at Compass? I looked at him. I said, oh, well, we're looking for a sales manager. And in that moment, literally, I thought, Jeff, what about you? You did seem the perfect person. (laughs) I just knew it was a place that that made sense to grow. And truly, when it came to Compass, I really believed from my time and experience at Zillow that from the brokerage perspective, if there was a brokerage that could figure out the technology component to real estate, it would be the perfect marriage um, of... (laughs) of essentially tech and real estate to make it happen. And with my role um, at Zillow and with prior experience at a technology startup called Cornerstone On Demand um, in LA, I really thought that it was it was a perfect fit and a great opportunity for me to help our agents to grow throughout the state. So I know you graduated from College of Charleston. I hear about that all the time. That was something about you. And from there, you went, didn't you do some work in real estate while you were in Charleston? Yeah. Um, so... While I was um, in Charleston, I actually interned for a company called Century 21 Beachside on um, Isle of Palms in, in Charleston, South Carolina area. And it was kind of at that point in time, I knew that, that real estate would be a, an important and, and critical part of my career and, um, and truly my, my why, um, because I, I love real estate and I love kind of the way it gives agents, the ability to build businesses, and also obviously consumers, their ability to find their place in the world. And then from from College of Charleston, you went to Cornerstone out in LA. So tell everybody a little bit about Cornerstone. Yeah. So Cornerstone On Demand was on one of the first HR software companies of its kind. Um, Cornerstone focused um, essentially on learning management, performance management, and later applicant tracking. So um, out of college, I went to Cornerstone in LA. I actually found them um, by going to the Los Angeles Business Journal and looking at fastest growing companies in LA. Um, And I essentially called them every day for a month or so um, until they they wanted to meet. 
Um, and my first role at that company um, was to essentially cold call Fortune 500 companies and introduce them to our top sales folks um, in our company, Cornerstone, who in turn would, would sell them um, the learning management platform or applicant tracking platform that we had in play. Um, so that was my first role there. Um, I later, um, six months after starting with them, um, I, I went on to essentially be the, the team leader um, for our, what we call it, the corporate account development team, who would cold call, LinkedIn message, do whatever it took to get meetings with top executives um, at these Fortune 500 companies and connect them um, with our top sales folks. And then um, from there, I transitioned um, to actually becoming one of the, the youngest um, enterprise sales reps that they had in the company, um, you know, working with companies from, you know, Patagonia to ValueClick, um, et cetera, um, kind of in, in those markets um, where, where truly, I would say, you know, companies valued talent, right, at this time. And um, it was right after kind of the recession. It was, I think, 2010, 2011 timeframe. And companies were really trying to scale up on their training and development. So this learning management platform, um, performance management was a really um, important thing to essentially create um, good work environments and accountability. Okay. So then how did you get to Zillow? <laughs> um, so from Cornerstone, um, I got to Zillow because a really good friend of mine was um, already working at Zillow and said there was this great job in New York where essentially what, um, what I would be doing is traveling around the country, um, meeting with top realtors, going into different real estate offices, you know, going on events with Tom Ferry, um, all these fun things. And, um, it, you know, and when I heard about the job opportunity, it really gave me the ability to um, kind of go back to the internship experience, which I loved in real estate and utilize the technology component of Cornerstone and put it together to, to help agents grow their business. So that was, that was how I got in contact with them. So then fast forward, we're back at that lunch and I'm thinking the, the fact that you had this cold calling experience, that you had some technology background, which at a company like Compass and in real estate today, I think is important. And then your experience at Zillow, really you were helping some of the largest teams all over the country institute that lead platform of Zillow and helping them manage your business. It was more of a consultative role, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was definitely more consultative. I mean, I was, I was definitely selling, but I think the Tom Barry partnership that Zillow had at the time gave me the ability to, to really learn the ins and outs of what teams needed to be successful on Zillow is. And remember, I mean, 2014 timeframe, I mean, you know, a, teams were building their whole infrastructure around Zillow leads, around Realtor.com leads, you know, around Boomtown websites. So it was kind of the start of this technology approach to residential real estate and teams. And it was a lot of consulting because it was, it was a completely new way of doing business. Um, and really it was changing kind of the, 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 the old school way of doing real estate to kind of a, a new school way of building business, getting in front of leads, and really working your sales pipeline for online leads, like, you know, like, like a true tech company when it came to right. following up on Zillow leads. 
Right. We've talked about that. I mean, what a shift it's been uh, for new people in the business, right, that, that come in and either join a team because they're buying leads that, that they can follow up on or they invest in themselves and are buying leads themselves to build their own business. So it, it has become, you know, in these last five, six years, it has kind of shifted and really gone mainstream now. But I always felt like that was really good, solid experience for re-looking at what the sales manager position is. So as we kind of circle back to the to the core of, of what we're going to talk about today, it's just the, the changing role of a sales manager, right? So to go back just a little bit and, you know, when I got into sales management, well, you know, that was a long time ago, but really what they had in those days, they had selling managers, right? Player coaches. So you had to, I used to say, I spent 80% of my time making 20% of my money and 20% of my time making 80% of my money. It was very hard to be both a salesperson and be recruiting, running an office, trying to do a sales meeting and trying to do all the sales management role and create have a real estate business at the same time. And that was really what originally how, you know, back in the day was sales manager looked like, right? They were the person that was probably one of the better producers in an office that was also started to manage. And it did kind of work where you brought in new people, you taught them. It sort of, as I think about it now, did function a lot like the team model functions now where the sales manager was more of a team leader, but they were out there generating the business before, but you take new people out with you on listing appointments. You take them out with you when you were working with a buyer and it was a great way of coaching and training people along to be able to get them into the business. You know, fast forward to today, you know, it seems to be that it's now gone from being the jack of all trades. And even when it was just a hundred percent of a sales manager that they still did a lot of things, right? You recruited, you trained, you did sales meetings, you coached, you ran a staff in the office. You were sort of the master of your domain inside your office, but you kind of pioneered that role into something very different. So I'd love for you to go into how you've approached the role when you were sales manager, how you approach it and how it's evolved quite differently. Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll I'll just go back to kind of our our lunch meeting at Meat Market in you know summer of 2017, and you, you said you know you said to me directly you know would you be interested in the role, and I said I don't know I don't have the experience for the role, right? I mean I have great experience at Zillow, but I don't know that I necessarily have the experience that you need to to, to lead this role, and you said we. The Compass, in a nutshell, already has a lot of the the best agents um, in the country. They don't necessarily need help with you know with the contract questions or with a listing appointment, you know, a listing appointment question, right? Like really, what it came down to was they need to they needed to fill the top of their funnel. And the most important thing from a sales manager role that you kind of identified for for what we could be doing for the future of sales management was really focusing on helping them to build their funnel so that they had more at-bats to get more business. So kind of the approach that I've taken from from my sales management role and what I share with, with the sales managers I work with throughout Florida is we need to ensure that we're getting our agents enough at bats 
so that they're successful, right? Because most of the folks that are experienced in the business, um, you know, they, they know how to get it from A to Z. It's really keeping keeping a close eye on the pipeline and helping them to develop um, a, a bigger pipeline so they get more business. So I'm kind of p- pausing there. I mean, that's kind of been where, where I try to provide the most value from day one is how do we help you to get more at bats so you can build your team, you know, build a better business and ensure that you're constantly, you know, truly working new business, um, you know, in a true sales cycle capacity. So um, that, that was kind of my goal from the beginning um, in terms of, of building it. Did that, did that answer for the benchmark question of, of what we want to yeah, go towards? Yeah, I think so. So I think it's just starting, again, from your, with your background between Zillow and Cornerstone, this approach of treating sales agents, um, real estate sales agents, to me, it's like a lot more consistent with other sales organizations, right? That the sales manager function is more in that, right? It's how do I add value by adding business. Like I love that you call it top of funnel. So top of the funnel need to add more top of the funnel opportunities. But I think also it's the structure that you put in place with regard to business planning, meeting accountability and tracking it. Right. So I think everybody can stand up in a sales meeting, right. And say, Oh, here's a Zillow rep and he's going to tell you how to build leads, but that's not what it is at compass at all. That's not really what you have done at all. So Let's get into the weeds a little bit here and just talk about how, what, what that means and what your like day to day, what the day to day approach is about building the top of the funnel and holding them accountable and how that isn't just, Hey, here's the Zillow guy, go buy leads. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's not, it's not pawning it off to, to different companies, right. To, to focus on it. I think in, in 2021, right. It's really the, the sales manager's job in the organization to ensure that each agent um, that the manager is working with has the ability to grow their business and the way that makes the most sense for them. So really what we do in a nutshell is, um, and again, you you helped to set this up, Beth, but, um, but basically we go ahead and we, we set up monthly business plan meetings with our agents, right? Um, the goal from there is that we have accountability every single month on what's going on with their business, right? What we can do to help grow their business, um, ensure that they're utilizing the technology necessary to build their platform. And if they're ready, um, really focusing on building a team for them, right? If they think that they're in the, in the point of their business where they're ready to build that team, um, helping to put that team infrastructure in place and really looking at it in terms of what it looks like um, and, and how we can make it sustainable for them to you know, play to whatever their strengths are, right? Um, and I guess the example is, you know, if you're looking at a successful agent, right? But, you know, they love being out showing property, right? They love negotiating contracts. You know, they really like just being out there, being the rainmaker. Um, you know, when we're looking at their business on a monthly basis, it's how do we remove obstacles for you so that we can ensure that you're out there doing what you're good at most of the time that you're doing, um, most of the time that you're working. Um, and really the thought process by doing that is that the more that we can kind of take off their plate or help them to streamline their processes in terms of ways that they can grow their business, the more successful they're going to be. And in the end, the, the happier they're going to be with the business that they're building. So really, um, it comes down to setting up those monthly accountability meetings where we're working off of a, of a business plan. 
Um, the business plan that I like to kind of focus on, I like to call it essentially a, a souped up one, three, five, right? Like what's your big goal, right? What are the three, um, you know, main buckets that you're going to do to get there? And then what are the five things of those three buckets that we can put in place to help drive success? So um, those, that's kind of been the business plan that we've worked off of um, in a nutshell to keep it high level enough to keep them excited, but also granular enough where, you know, they have a thought of where they want to go throughout the year. And do you incorporate other people in the organization to some of these meetings, right? So sometimes is there a marketing person there or once you kind of identified what the, you know, how to maximize, I know you also look at things like helping them with team structure, just talk through some of the, I guess you want to call them ancillary or supplemental people or uh, aside from assigning the 135, which I think is a great framework to work from, I think you also go a step further and also incorporate other people into the meetings or into the follow-up plan to make sure that things happen. So just talk a little bit about some of the other supplemental services or supplemental uh, issues that you discuss in these meetings. Cool. So I think um, for, for first and foremost, right, it's, it's, ensuring that they are in lockstep if possible with the marketing team, right? So if they're trying to get their social media um, more dialed in, um, you know, ensuring that we have the marketing person um, in that business plan meeting so we can put together a strategy, um, you know, around the marketing, right? That can be everything from, you know, because here in Florida, we're, we've been the beneficiary of leads coming from um, a lot of, of other markets, um, you know, ensuring that our agents are in front of um, other referral agents in other states um, and are in front of their clients um, that, that have multiple residences. So, you know, so really setting up the time with the marketing to figure out, you know, what we need to focus on, right? Is it mailing um, high net worth zip codes in Manhattan, right? For people that are coming down to South Florida. Um, is it building a referral relationship with the top agent in Aspen that has clients that are also looking in Florida? Um, you, you know, or, or is it really figuring out like a, a digital strategy, right? When it comes to online lead generation. So those are the things that we kind of look at with the marketing department um, in the business plan meetings that we have. And, and we can kind of build on from there. Um, the other factors that we always take into play, um, at least here at Compass, is we work really closely with our agent experience team um, who really understands the full functionality of the product um, extremely well, right? So what Compass tools can we bring to the table um, to ensure that you know, our agents are taking advantage of them to, to build their businesses even more? Um, you know, obviously Marketing Center um, is, is one that gives our agents the ability to move super quickly um, to get marketing collateral out. Um, and then um, we obviously acquired um, the contactually CRM, right? So working through with the new Compass CRM, um, if you're a single agent, to work on your past client um, sphere of influence follow-up um, is, has been a really important, you know, thing that we've been taking into account since the pandemic started, right? Um, I think when the pandemic started, there was this really big call for our agents to go um, back to basics, right? Reach out to your past clients, reach out to your friends and family, see how they're doing, you know, check in consistently 
and you know and let them know that you're a resource for them on the real estate side so um you know uh, again answering the question kind of in a, in a long-winded way but you know bringing in um our marketing team so the approach is catered for what they're trying to build right whether it's a new farm area a new referral network um you know online lead generation um, or building out new social media you know making sure that all of our teams are rowing in the same direction to help the agents to build that um, and then obviously from the product side um, you know we have lots of great tools here at compass um, working with our agent experience managers to ensure our agents are implementing the tools that that are good for them to um to, to move their business along too and i'd say kind of the last thing that that i try to really focus on for for south florida and our managers try to focus on for south florida is building that referral network um, for agents in other markets right is it you know i always try to let them know that you know you need at least five great agents that you work closely with in new york in la in san francisco and texas and aspen etc um, because building those networks really makes for for a holistic approach to real estate um, and makes our agents even more of the advisors when it comes to um, the national real estate outlook. So Jeff, with that, I mean, going back to when you were, when you were actually sales managing and now we didn't, I should have said it at the top of the podcast. Now you are the managing director of sales. So you actually are a leader of sales leaders. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but going back to when you were a sales manager, can you, can you think of a success story that you'd like to share about how the business planning meetings have changed the way an agent did business, how they generated success, how you measured that. you have any examples you want to share? In, our, in one of our offices in Miami, we had two great agents um, that were essentially working for themselves, right? Independent contractors. They, they one had, you know, they, they were both really sole practitioners of real estate, right? So we're looking at their production one day and what they're putting out. And we knew that they were getting, both of them both came to me and said, listen, we're working way too many hours in the day. You know, what do you think we should think about doing to, to make this work? Um, and basically the thought was the two should partner, right? Um, if they have a really good relationship and one is great at one thing, the other is great at the other, right? Why not put the group together so that they can partner, double down on online lead generation, hire the right assistant, um, and really in turn that gave them the ability to get more onto the listing side, um, handle their buyers in a better way, and go from there. So I guess the, the lesson of that is, um, you know, if you're an agent listening to this podcast and you're you're a sole agent and you really feel like you're just spinning your wheels and the growth isn't happening the way that you you want it to. Um, I mean, really assessing the situation, right? Do you have the ability to truly grow your own team? Is that your personality? Or would you rather find a great person that compliments you well, where you can set up a long-term partnership? So that was um, an example of, you know, two agents that are on their own were, you know, probably doing about 12 million a year each. Um, I think this year they'll do about 55, 60 million um, together. So um, really, you know, helping to put together the right partnerships so people can move obstacles out of the way and help to build a better life for themselves. I think that was a good one. Um, and then um, there's another one um, in our office who literally came to Compass as a sole agent. Um, he now has a team of about 10 folks, 
um, on the team as you know an assistant, right? Um, a showing agent, um, you know, essentially someone who's helping to make the phone calls to get new listing appointments, and has really built um, an entire platform around processes um, that he's put in place to you know get a fully flushed out brand, a fully flushed out online lead generation system works very well with our marketing. Um, has built a great referral network. Um, across the country. Um, and really, we looked at his business day one um, and put these things in place. And, and in close to three years, I mean, production has um, uh, essentially, I would say, 6 x um, from coming on board. So, I mean, you, you know, I, I would say those are two of the, the many, many stories um, that we have. But I guess the thought process behind both is, is if you are an agent looking to grow your business, right? And you're not getting there fast enough, right? Or you're not, you know, enjoying what you're doing the way that you should. Take some time, right? Sit down with your manager, no matter who it is, and talk about partnership opportunities, right? Talk about what it would look like to build the team of your dreams and know that it's it's completely possible um, in this new world that we live in, right? With um, the ability to recruit utilizing, you know, like different you know, indeed.com, right? Different websites like that. You can get in front of staff really, really quickly. And with the amount of agents that are looking to get into the business, um, there is a great way to really find some phenomenal talent um, and build out, you know, a team that could work for you. Yeah, and, and, and it works. I think the other important part that you didn't talk about is the accountability piece. I think the monthly meetings... Right, leaving leaving the end of the meeting with with a clear understanding of what needs to occur between between now and the next meeting to be able to accomplish the goals that they set out for themselves is is very useful, right? So when they know I and, and I was doing these alongside you for a while, right? So when somebody knows that they're going to have to come in and meet with their sales manager and have answers on the homework that they should have done in the last 30 days, they're much more likely to have done it until the point it comes after a period of time that that accountability actually turns into a habit of new of the way that they approach their business or a new process, or it just becomes ingrained in the day-to-day way that they approach what they do. So it's not only, you know, it's it's the training that you bring, the tools that you offer, the marketing plan, they set the goals, the one, three, five, you pull it all together and then tie it up with an accountability ribbon, if you wanna if you wanna put it that way, so that with the consistency of knowing that every month they're gonna meet, you're gonna track, you're gonna look at their business, you're gonna make sure that they're accomplishing things really has proven to be over the period of time that you've been here, a successful formula to really advance these agents, these good agents into being even better agents. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. You're, 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 you definitely explain it better than I can. I just go out there and, and do it like a crazy <laughs> person. But I think that um, I, I, I totally agree. I think, I think the other piece too, right, is, is in this time period, right, where everyone's going a million miles a minute, Everyone needs an accountability person and someone that they can talk to that can help them to kind of see what obstacles are in their way, right? Um, because we're moving so quick, right? We're, we're, 
We're not in the office the way that we once were. So these types of formats where we're having these conversations, we're advancing the business is, is more important than ever. Um, and I guess one last plug that I think has been helpful for, for me um, is there's this great author named Michael Lennington um, who wrote the book 12 Week Year. Um, 12 Week Year is, in my, in my opinion, the best business planning guide for sales folks because the way that it's set up is you're only looking at it basically, you know, 12 weeks at a time, right? So three months at a time, because in the world that we're living in um, and the way that salespeople typically are, right, they're looking for to hit their goals quickly and in a way that gets them excited, right? So kind of breaking down um, the goals that we all have on a quarterly basis um, for the agents to get to um, and for everyone to get to, I think has has been um, extremely helpful, right? Through a pandemic, when the goals are changing, um, essentially every month based on, you know, CDC, the economy, um, and, and rules that are going in place across, you know, across the world. So um, I, I think that, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I would pick up um, the book 12 week year, um, and, and just kind of take a look at it for, for ways you can restructure yourself. It's, it's an easy way to you know, to help with accountability and ensure that you're going after the goals that, that are important to you and that are most top of mind for you today. And, and I guess the last thing that I'll add is, you know, going back and thinking of all the years I did sales management and I used to, you know, even when we were in the office and it still happens at home. I mean, it kills me that remotely it still happens, right? You deal with the door, right? So somebody, you'd find that your day from the minute you got in the office and you sat down or you walked to the office, you're dealing with whoever's coming up to you, right? So you're dealing with the door. Whoever's at the door, you've got to answer, you've got to talk to, you've got to get their question. And especially in a large, busy office, you just seem that you spend your whole day dealing with the door and never really maybe reaching out to the people that you should have talked to in the day or gotten, you know, had been able to meet with the people that you needed to meet with. And I think when it comes to retention, which is very important, right? We spend a lot of time and energy and effort bringing new teams into any sales organization, right? And retention is important, especially in real estate. And what happens is sometimes the people that are at your door all the time or calling you all the time are not necessarily the most efficient way to use your time as a manager. You're not touching everybody. So months can go by. And I and I can remember, you know, before we started this monthly cadence of meetings, you know, you'd do that. You'd sit there, you'd go through your, you'd look at your roster of people. At one point you think, wow, you know, I haven't seen so-and-so in months. I wonder what's become of them. And then somebody comes to your door and the next thing you know, that person has gone off and joined another brokerage. So I think... The not only does it help the agent, it, it right, it helps everybody do better business, be accountable, more efficient use of resources like technology, marketing team. But I think it also is a big part of retention because it creates that connection that's so necessary between a sales manager and their sales agents. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, you know the way it goes. And I think everyone listening knows the way it goes, right? Um, the person that's yelling the most <laughs> typically is getting the most attention, right? So the folks that are more, you know, relaxed or going with the flow and more quiet, eventually that becomes disengaged. <laughs> so so if you're not in front of that 
group consistently. Um, and this is if you're a team leader, by the way, too, um, or, or whatever you're doing, right? Even if it's a client of yours, right? Maybe it's not your client that is, you know, is in your face the most. Maybe it's your kind of more relaxed one, right? Maybe that's the one that's going to go find something else and work with another agent, right? Um, because they're not getting as much time. So I, th I think, you know, regardless of, of what the relationship is, um, you know, figuring out a cadence and a monthly check-in or bi-weekly check-in or whatever it is that works for your business, um, it, it needs to be set up with with the people that are important to your company um, and that are important to your vision. And, you know, with, with us, that's, that's our agents, right? Those are our principal agents that we need to be um, in front of on a regular basis. And, and something else, just so you know, um, that we're we're adding for 2021 is is more meetings with entire teams, right? So so once a quarter now, not just meeting with, with the principal agent, but also the entire team, right? To bring them up to date on what's new at the company um, and new, you know, essentially tools that are, we're rolling out and even just going through goal planning um, for entire teams together so that everyone's feeling as if they're having a, a really good experience and that they're growing by, you know, by, by being with the company. Good. I remember when we first started talking about doing these weekly meetings on the, and I don't even remember, the national sales calls, which was all the sales managers from all over the country at that time, which I think was really just New York, Florida, and maybe LA um, had just had just launched and the pushback that was given about doing these one-on-ones, you know, from, from the, the managers, especially from the more experienced managers who were like, I meet with all my agents. I don't need to have structure. I don't need to have accountability. I mean, it was huge. And I look back on it now and I just kind of shake my head, but it was one of the things really that I felt like your open-mindedness to this process was so important because things do need to be shaken up. Th this relationship of what a sales manager does and their relationship with your sales agent can get really stale over time. And that deal with the door can really be the, the not only the least efficient way of dealing with your associates, but it can also be the least effective way of dealing with it. So I thank you for your openness to jump on board and, and kind of grasp this new way of moving forward. So I guess with that, moving now more towards your current position, which I said a few minutes ago is as managing director of sales, which means you have all the sales leaders in the state now laddering up to you. You're hiring them. You're training them because a lot of times somebody that's out there that may be an existing manager's not likely to be necessarily so on board with a lot of things that we're doing. So you've, you've hired a lot of different people. So what characteristics do you look for in a good sales leader? What, what do you think it takes? What do you think is important? I think from a, a sales leadership perspective, the important characteristics, first off is you, you have to love real estate agents. Like you have to genuinely you know, love helping them build their business and be excited for for the success that they're having um, and to be there for them to watch that success bloom because it's really hard to fake you <laughs> um, for a long period of time, especially with, you know, with, with monthly meetings on the calendar, right, um, and the way that the sales manager um, works with the agents here at Compass. So I think first it's a, it's a love. For, for real estate agents and helping them grow their business. Um, the second that, that comes after that is, is a work ethic, right? Like, I mean, this is not, 
we're trying to run what we do down here, like a true sales organization, right? Um, you know, like a technology company, right? So, so you need to have the work ethic um, to essentially put in, you know, the time, right? Be, be there for the agents when they call, respond in a timely manner. Um, at the end of the day, our, our agents are our customers, right? Um, so we, we need someone that can come with that customer service mindset, but that also has the work ethic to, to be there when they need it. Um, and I would say the third thing is, <laughs> I, I would go with the, the third most important one is, you know, and this is kind of a weird attribute, but you, you need to be extremely likable as well, right? I mean, when you're dealing with um, a lot of, of agents and you're having, you know, fairly difficult conversations day in, day out, um, you know, the personality that, that you have needs to be one where the agent is going to want to collaborate with you and is going to want to, to truly work with you. It's hard to pinpoint what a likable characteristic looks like, but, you know, but think of the folks that you've met over the years that you just want to talk to them all day, right? Because they're, they're interesting, you know, they're good listeners. They're excited to hear what you're saying. I mean, that's really the third one that I think is, is important and, you know, and not so easy to find because, um, you know, it's, um, you know, these, these types of jobs take a lot of time, a lot of effort, and you really have to have that customer service, likable mindset going at all times with a good work ethic. So those are the three that I that, that I look on or look for right off the bat. Anything you would add, Beth? I'm going to turn it back on you. You can't be you can't be high ego minded, right? This isn't this isn't an I or a me job. It's a you and a yours job. So it it really is servant leadership. And we had a great podcast with Matt Rocco, who I work with at the Amrit Ocean, and he is, you know, one of the country's leading experts on servant leadership. And this is really a servant leadership role, right? You are serving these agents. It can't be about you, right? You, It's not, you're a sales manager and you are in a management position, but you're not their boss. So it, you, you can't, be super authoritarian. You can't be, you know, very strict. It really has to be, you have to have a little bit of that. How do I finesse? How do I get to where I need to go without basically saying, you know, because I said so, or it's my way or the highway. It's, um, it's a little bit more, I think you need to be a little bit sharper about thinking on your feet, working through solutions creatively and getting people to do what's good for themselves, whether without them really recognizing that they're doing it. (laughs) If that makes any sense to you, right? So it can't just be because I said so, or I'm the boss and that's why it's really not that kind of management position. It's really, how can I help you get to where you need to be and understanding that they'll tell you, but they're not necessarily going to do what you tell them to do. So you got to, you got to know how to finesse your way around that situation without just kind of huffing and puffing and blowing the house down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would, you, you put this eloquently a few years ago. It's even your no's have to sound like yeses, right? Because, um, you know, successful agents that are running their own businesses and don't, don't want to hear no, right? They want to hear the solution that they're going to get to that's going to be best for them and their client for the future, 
right? So if it's a no, it's not really a no. It's, it's listen, I don't think this is the best route to go because X, Y, and Z, and here are a few different solutions that I think could get you an even better result. Right. So it's it's it, it's again, not huffing and puffing the house down. It's always coming from a place of of yes. And if it does happen to be a no, making it feel as if it's a yes, um, because they feel that you genuinely care and you want to bring the value across. But again, you back to what I said in the characteristics, it's really hard to fake genuinely caring. <laughs> like you either genuinely care or you don't. And I think that's why, you know, when, when I look at sales leaders kind of bringing it back full circle, like that's the first, first thing that, that, that I look at, right. They have to love real estate agents and genuinely care about, you know, what they're helping them to build. Um, and then if, if you have that characteristic, um, whether it's sales management, whether it's, you know, listings and transactions, whether it's broker, um, you know, you'll, you, you'll definitely be successful in this, you know, in this arena. So Jeff, with your sales management teams, what kind of metrics or benchmarking do you use to gauge success? We look at um, a, a few different avenues, right? Um, the, the first, um, we're really starting to look at year over year growth of agents' businesses, right? Like, are the business plan meetings helping the agents to grow their business, right? Um, and sometimes maybe maybe they're cutting back team members, right? Maybe it's different, but we're looking for year-over-year growth for them personally and year-over-year profit for them on take-home. Um, so, so those are some of the things that, that we look at um, initially to see essentially what kind of success we're driving um, for our agents. Um, and that helps us to figure out what we need to focus on for the new year. Um, you know, if, if they've plateaued, right. I mean, that's where maybe a partnership could make sense. Adding an admin can help, um, you know, maybe trying to shift price points, um, you know, maybe going away from online leads and kind of shifting to the listing side, um, you know, to get a little bit more control back in your calendar. There's, there's all sorts of things that we can figure out based on your over year growth. So, so that's an important tracking metric for us. Um, the other one, which, um, is, is interesting that we look at as well is, um, believe it or not, is Compass tool adoption. <laughs> um, you know, adoption of tools is important us is important for us to see if the products that we're taking to market are helping our agents grow their business, right? And if our agents are really engaged in the tools that we're utilizing, um, there's probably a good chance that they're feeling the value <laughs> of the company. Right. So, so looking at that tool adoption um, is an important one in addition to the year over year growth. Um, and then, um, you know, from a sales management perspective, I, I really keep a close eye on sales meeting attendance. Right. Um, we know that people are are busy in the day. Agents are showing property. But if our sales managers are, are packing out their sales meetings with a great attendance, um, that shows us that our agents are really engaged and are getting value out of what the company is putting out there. Um, so those are a few that I that, that I look at from a tracking perspective. Um, I'd say the other ones that are important are listings taken, right? Um, in any given day, we want to know um, how many listings our agents have, right? And what we can do to ensure that they keep that high value of listings. In this low inventory market, whoever controls the inventory is the winner. So um, we're really, really keeping a close eye on the listings that we have. Um, and the listings that we're getting to ensure that we're 
doing the proper training and um, putting out the proper approach to help our agents get more, um, you know, get more listings, which in turn creates more revenue for them. So those are those are a few of the things that that we look at from a tracking perspective um, that are that are really really important. Um, the other, I guess, the last one that I would add is, you know, how many buyers are agents working with. Right. Um, you know, when you go into that business plan meeting and you hear about the same buyer <laughs> that you heard about last month, um, that's a bad sign that the funnel isn't filled with 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 enough people um, in the pipeline. So, um, you know, from the buy side perspective, um, you know, really having our managers keep a close eye on how many buyers are in the pipe is is important, especially in this short inventory world where. Um, you know, where, where the buyers are, are a tad less loyal, um, you know, based on, you know, the multiple offer situations and other factors that are really outside of our agent's control. Oh, I, I think that's good. So I guess with some of that and those metrics, if you can just talk a little bit about how you coach your managers, I know you coach on sales meetings. Can you talk through just kind of some of the things you coach your sales managers on doing sales meeting, time blocking, things that you think is important that they need to learn? What do you go over with them and what do you stress with them on your one-on-ones with them? So um, I would say um, first and foremost for, for sales meetings, right? Um, Agents like collaboration in meetings, like, you know, agents like to talk and hear from each other and share their wins. So really in our sales meetings, trying to figure out a way that it's not just a, you know, an exciting PowerPoint, right? But more interaction, more open <laughs> like that's conversation. that's an oxymoron. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, we don't want it to be a slightly above average PowerPoint because there is no such thing as an exciting PowerPoint anymore. But um, but, but but I think getting the right speakers um, that can lead to a good discussion is, is first and foremost. Um, now, I'm not going to lie that the Zoom world, the video call world has been challenging for this um, because it's tougher to have more interaction um, over Zoom when you have really large groups. So, um, you, you know, so, so so the other thing that we're kind of coaching towards with sales managers now that we're in this new digital world is getting kind of team lead masterminds set up in each and every office so that your team leaders and, um, you know, and, and agents have the ability to share in an open forum best practices, what they're hearing, what's working, et cetera, right? Because um, we know real estate can be a lonely business sometimes. So, you know, setting up within our sales managers the ability to, um, you know, to kind of get those open discussions and open dialogues with agents in a more digital world is something that we've been focusing on a lot this year. Um, other things that I'm coaching on, and, and I think people can take this in, in any role that they're in, is starting the day off doing something you really like, right? Or doing something you love, right? Like, uh, we all know how dreadful a day can be if you start off with a conversation you're not excited for or a task that you don't like doing, right? So kind of coaching um, our management team around starting the day off where you're going to bring your highest, best impact that's going to make the biggest um, splash um, on our agents um, to help them grow their business. Um, we've been tr- implementing that a little bit more this year. Um, our sales leaders seem to be liking it and it helps them to get the day off um, feeling more on the offensive. So that's something we're coaching towards too. Um, you, you know, t- time blocking time blocking is tough. I mean, I, 
I wish I had a secret <laughs> ingredient for that. Um, I think it's it, it's just doing what what you need to do when you need to do it. But Beth, I mean, what advice do you have? Uh, again, I'll, I'll flip it back to you um, on the time blocking piece um, of some things you could add. And time blocking has saved my life. I've said this on the podcast before. People have heard that. I, I There's just no way that I could get done what I get done in a week, month, days period of time without having some structure to my day. And, it, and it's been very important to me to do that. And I think for me, and that kind of came from the, you know, do what you like um, first thing in the morning. I think it's also do what makes you feel like you've accomplished more. So making sure that that time block does like it's simple things, right? I, I literally block it out of my calendar so nobody can go put time on or take that time away from me. So, you know, from eight o'clock in the morning until nine 30, I do not take any appointments or calls, right? That is my time blocking time. That's for me to do what I need to get done in a day to get organized, to prepare, to send out agendas, you know, to me, to get my head screwed on straight at the beginning of the day. And that's the most important. And I like that. It's not because I love doing organization, but I just feel so much better about my day when I feel like at 930, when I'm sitting down to my first now Zoom meeting, right, that I have literally gotten a good solid chunk of the things that I felt were important to do in that day done. And that makes me feel good about progressing throughout the day as opposed to thinking I'm always just running to catch up, right? So a lot of this is just... Time blocking is a lot about not only disciplining yourself to do things in certain times, but it's also about working with your own mind set to make sure that you're still performing at a high level throughout the day because you're not feeling like you're, you know, chasing the white rabbit throughout the day because you haven't been able to get done what you got done. And I'm doing this person's agenda and I'm all I'm doing is doing meetings and I've got no time in between other time blocking tip that I just did is instead of making 30 minute meetings, I make 25 minute meetings. Instead of making hour meetings, I make 50 minute meetings. And again, that gives me that time in between all of these different meetings, especially when we're sitting in front of a Zoom camera all day long and in a meeting all day long, there's just no time to to do anything in between meetings. And that includes things like, you know, having a bio break and having something to eat. So just little tricks like that, but it's discipline and you have to really think about it. So this idea, I'm going to get up and I'm going to run my day or I'm going to let my day run me. And especially in real estate, real estate agent, real estate sales manager, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. Your day can run you because you're dealing with so many people in a day. You know, if you're selling, you're dealing with all your buyers and sellers and other brokers, and but they can only see it at this time. Only show during certain periods of day. Only do your business meetings if you're a sales manager, certain days of the week or certain times of the day. So you don't feel like you didn't get done what you need to get due in a day. So I think it's just really 10 minutes of thought of how you set up your calendar on a weekly basis. People make it so much harder than it is because then they start, oh, well, I'll take it off for this day or that day. That's where the discipline comes in. Then you've really got to be disciplined to stick to your own time blocking and you'll feel so much better. You'll be so much more productive and you'll, you'll be able to see much more positive results in your metrics because you've been able to prioritize what you need to get done 
or what you needed to do to make sure that you were advancing on the things that you wanted to advance on. Whatever that is, doesn't matter. You know, I want more personal time. I want to make sure I work out every morning. I want to make sure that, you know, I have lunch with my kids every day now that we're all at home. It, it, it doesn't have to be, I need to make a million dollars next year. It can be something very simple or something very complex, but you're not going to get there in this business if you let your your time run you as opposed to you run your time. Yeah, and, and that's that's really helpful, Beth. I think, you know, the, the one bit of feedback I, I can add to that on the time blocking as well is, you know, for the next week, everyone on this call after you listen to this podcast, you know, have a piece of paper and a pen out throughout your day and look at every call you took that wasn't necessary, right? Look at every interaction or every email or everything that you got roped into that you're like, you know what? I shouldn't have spent 20 minutes there today. Um, and, you know, we're having our sales managers evaluate that, um, you know, over the first couple of weeks so that we can try to get the, the, the less important, right? Or the non-essential stuff off the plate. So our group of managers can focus more on strictly helping the agents grow their business because that's that's what we're here for. And, and if you're an agent, I think, you know, it's looking at those things too, right? I mean, you know, what are a few additional, what are a few calls that you were on throughout the day that you didn't need, right? Or what was an interaction, um, you know, with, you know, maybe a, a mortgage person or whoever, right? Where you gave them 30 minutes to, to talk to you about something. You're like, you know what? I, I didn't need that, right? And looking at those types of things and thinking, you know, what's essential and what's not um, is going to help you to get more control of your day. And I, I guarantee you, um, everyone listening could probably cut out um, about seven hours a week of, um, of unnecessary distraction. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I think, again, it's not that you can't have those things in a day. Like, I think everybody appreciates that there's that call, like, I'd really like to talk to so-and-so, but I think it's a priority then, right? So just practical application. So, if I, if I know, if, if I would love to just shoot the breeze with you, which we do often, right? We have plenty of times that we shoot the breeze, but we shoot the breeze. We don't shoot the breeze within certain hours in the day. So I know that if you're calling me at, at, at a two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, this is work related, but we shoot the breeze, you know, before 8 a.m. or after 7 p.m. So I think it's, it's also that idea that yes, you don't have to have, you know, be all work 100% of the time, even with the people you work with, but you just have to prioritize those few hours that you have during the day to make sure that you get, that you that you advance on your agenda for whatever that day is and not let them be a distraction. So maybe it's not that you don't take the call, it's just you text and say, I'll give you a call back later and you call them at your next break or when you, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's five o'clock or seven o'clock or it's at lunch or whatever. So it's just moving around things during the day to make sure that 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 you have a good time and enjoy what you're doing, but at the same time you you are moving forward on what you need to get done and accomplishing things every day, every week, every month, every year. Yep, for sure. Do you get agent feedback on your management team? I mean, it's a little touchy and sensitive. So I know you do. So tell us a little bit about uh, how you go about doing that and then how you incorporate that back in without that, you know, well, Jeff, by the way, so-and-so called me yesterday and they really didn't like 
their business meeting they did yesterday. They thought it was a waste of time or whatever. So you so without creating animosity or having your sales managers feel undermined. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because it's something I think you do excellent. It comes back to basically having good relationships with the agents, right? So, you know, when I'm speaking with them, you know, when I'm checking in to see how they've been doing over the last, you know, six months, right? Um, you know, just asking for, for feedback, right? You know, how's the company, you know, treating you, right? How have the business plans been? You know, are you feeling a lot of value um, out of what we're giving, right? And, and it's not about pointing out saying, you know, how is X manager doing? Like it's really kind of figuring out if the business process is working for them and if they're getting value out of it. Um, and, and if the agent doesn't sound excited to share the feedback or if I get the quick, yeah, it's okay. You know, then I know it's not, (laughs) it's not getting them to where, you know, they want to necessarily be. Um, and what I do from there kind of if I get what sounds you know, lukewarm, you know, it's okay feedback on how things are going. Um, I, you know, in my weekly one-on-ones with my sales managers, I essentially just, you know, go down the roster list, um, you know, and, and, and ask them how, um, you know, how it's going with XYZ agent, right? So then I can get their take on it too, right? Or sometimes I'll be direct and say, hey, I talked to X, Y, and Z. I'm not, you know, necessarily sure that what, you know, what we're, you know, putting down, they're picking up. Um, and it's it's really just getting a feel from, from that perspective to see what we can do and then really doing a, a hands-on approach. So if the feedback is not great, it's what can we do so that this agent feels as if we're truly helping them build their business. So, you know, maybe it's, it's going back to what we talked about a few minutes ago, right? Maybe it's looping them in with marketing, right? Maybe it's helping them to, you know, do a more structured business plan. You know, maybe it's looping them in on products so that they can learn a little bit more about things they could be putting into their business. And even sometimes maybe it's it's recommending an outside coach, you know, um, that can maybe help them to get to the breakthrough as well. So um, I guess when it comes to the feedback, I mean, I just try to take it, you know, pretty matter of factly um, and, and always take it from a place that goes back to helping the agent to grow their business. Because at the end of the day, if our agents are growing their business, um, that's what's most important because that's, you know, that, that's what the success looks like. Um, so, you know, I never, I mean, I think you can tell Beth or, you know, I mean, you've known me for over three and a half years. I, I've never yelled at anyone. Um, you know, I've never gotten really angry at people where I say you should do this or you should do that right it's always you know kind of guiding um, people so that they put it into place on their terms Um, and I do the same thing for a management team Um, if it's feedback as well like you'll never see me put it in an email like it's always a conversation um, so that we can work to get to a better result um, because I truly believe that nothing good happens over emails that are over you know five sentences long (laughs) Well, yeah, and plus, I I think especially when it's when it's challenging news. I mean, the least that you can, you know, the the, the least that you can do to be able to provide the proper feedback is have the benefit of a conversation. You know, if you can't meet in person or you can't set up a video call 
which is the next best thing, at least have a phone conversation. Because the email back and forth tends to, I don't know, after a while, take a really bizarre turn. And 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 it's kind of like I've, I watch exchanges and, I, and I'm, I'm literally saying to the computer, pick up the phone and make a phone call. Because it's just in 30 seconds, you can resolve something that's taken days over email. Not necessarily, I mean, email is great for certain things, but especially when you're trying to provide feedback, it's not necessarily the way to do it and, and actually expect things to change, right? If, you know, I, I was, uh, I guess, and that's the other last thing that I'll talk about, you know, when is it time to replace a sales manager? Uh, we, 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 we've had to cross that bridge once or twice. I've had to do it more times than that. And, you know, I think that one of the more recent life lessons I've had about this is I probably tended over time to hold on to people a little bit longer than I should have just because, you know, you work with somebody, you have time vested in them, you like them as a person, you want to keep working with them to see if you can't get them to where they need to be. And I probably have held on a little bit longer than I should, but, you know, you can't certainly can't fire somebody by an email. So, so when is it time to make a change, Jeff? I think it's time to make a change in, in, uh, in a sales leader role. Um, I think there's a few key indicators, right? Um, first is is recruiting, right? If recruiting is not picking up to a good amount, um, I think that's a that's a telltale sign, right? Because that means that agents inside of the office aren't recommending the company. Um, so, so I think that's the first thing I look at. The second is, you know, is is really the culture, right? Um, is the culture an exciting culture where the agents are happy to be here? And they're excited about what they're building, right? Um, and, and are they collaborative in the process, right? If the answer is is no, um, you know, then it, it's hard to say that the office is, you know, is is doing what they need to go do to get to the next level. So um, I, I think that's kind of the second um, thing that I look at. So I think it's it's recruiting. I think it's culture. Um, and then third is just you know if, if there's if there's if you're not hearing good feedback, right? If if agents are not saying this person helped me grow my business X, Y, and Z, or this person is there for me and is in my corner and is, you know, and is removing obstacles so I can keep doing a great job. If you're not getting that kind of feedback somewhat con- con- consistently, um, you know, then, then then it's when you need to really look at your org and figure out is, is this what we're going to do to get to the, to the next level as a company. So those are a few of the a few of the signs. Um, and then I mean, you know, I I look a little bit less of numbers in the office than I probably should because I really believe that that the numbers, you know, of the office, if you have great agents in place, um, you know, do happen, right? Um, you know, at least in our org, we have um, a lot of the a lot of the top performing agents um, in the state. Right. So they're, they're going to put up pretty consistently, um, you know, but, but if the recruiting is down, the morale is not there and they're not helping these agents to feel as if they're improving, that's when you got to kind of look deep inside and figure out if this is the right leader for your org going forward. And then don't send them an email. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, don't send them an email. That's for sure. 
Yeah, I think that, you know, it's important just to kind of close this loop on sales management before we get into the popular lightning round with you is that I have always felt that the sales manager is really the most important role in a real estate organization. And primarily because it's a sales manager, right, that is there every day creating that culture, making sure business happens. He is, he or she is that person that defines the company to to your customers, the agents, every single day. And they're an unsung hero of many organizations. And I love what you've been able to do to elevate that role, to make it more of a business manager and make it in. And you said it over and over and over again. And I think it's just important to reiterate, you know, for every sales manager out there, if you polled your agent and said, am I helping you do more business? Am I helping you grow your business? If that answer isn't overwhelmingly yes, there's probably something that you should be doing that you're not doing. And you said it a dozen times in the conversation. And I thank you for that because it really is the most important thing. It's not that I like them. They're a good person. I enjoy their company. All of that's fine and well, but fundamentally our job is to see that they do more business. And thank you for bringing that home. Yeah, thank you. And I'll just add one more thing. Um, There's so many amazing sales leaders across the country, um, but when folks come to Compass, what I've heard time and time again is is why they make the move or, you know, or even when people leave, you know, our company goes somewhere else, right? Why are you making the move? It's because they're stuck, right? They're not growing their business, right? Um, you know, the amount of times where I've had, you know, pop agents move over and say, listen, like, I love my manager. Like, I, he's been a great friend or she's been a great friend of mine for the last 15 years, right? But we're not growing the way that we need to. I mean, that's the tune that comes up time and time again. So I guess that's the reason why I really hit home on that comment is because if if you're not growing, you're dying, right? And 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 that's the feedback that when people are moving companies, you know, it's it's never you know I hated my manager. <laughs> it's it's I just wasn't getting to the level that I needed to get to, and I believe that this will help me get to that next level. So, so that's the way um, you know agents are assessing it. So, really, in our team or our sales management, if we're not helping them grow, um, they will eventually leave, right? And on the way out the door, they'll say, "I love you, Jeff, but I'm not growing the way that I need to." And you know, and and that's why I'm so obsessed with that concept of of helping them get there because if we're not providing that additional ability to hold them accountable to help them grow um you know someone else will put in that time and that effort to get them there well thank you i think that's a a great place to wrap that up are you ready for the lightning round i am ready where were you born baltimore maryland what's your academic background i was a corporate communication major from college of charleston and South Carolina, in South Carolina, and was a public school graduate of Owens Mills High um, in Baltimore, Maryland. What was your first job, like in life, not in not not after college, but in life? I was a busboy at a deli in in, <laughs> in, um, in Baltimore in, in Baltimore, Maryland, at age um, at age I think fourteen. Um, whatever the legal working age was, um, I was. That, that's when I got my first job. Who do you consider your best mentor? 
that's a really tough one. So I would definitely put um, you in that category. So Beth Butler, shameless plug. No, I'm not fishing here. Yeah, I, 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 I get disqualified. You, you got to go to somebody else. Okay. Um, so um, I, I would go with um, my first manager at Cornerstone. Um, his name is Paul Broughton. Um, he, you know, was a JD MBA um, from UCLA. Um, you know, he just had such a unique ability to be very matter of fact and the way that he presented things um, in this kind of chill tone, but really always hit his points home. Um, so um, Paul is a mentor of mine. And then um, I have, you know, I'd say three others um, at, at Zillow, um, a guy named Andrew Wild, um, who um, was the head of um, industry relations um, for Zillow, still works there, um, close mentor of mine. Um, and then um, Nick Taylor, who um, I think you had the, on the podcast a couple weeks I ago, did. who who just came over via Modus, um, is a is a close mentor of mine. And then um, the last one, um, her name is Sarah Anisapur. Um, she is now, I guess, the head of sales role at Google. Um, was my manager at Zillow um, as well for a while. She was super organized and really whipped my butt into being better with my time. And, you know, it really was just good at holding me accountable and bringing the best out of me. So those were a few of them. Sorry, that wasn't very lightning. No, that, that's okay. You have a lot of them. It's great. And you shared why, which I like. So yeah. where do you live and what do you like best about your home? Um, so I live in, um, in Reach in downtown, I guess in Brickell in Miami. Um, what I like best about my home is that my wife is very happy here. Um, so it makes life um, great. Um, and from a home perspective, um, we have, you know, great sunset views and, you know, and two lap pools. So I can go in the pool where no one can bother me and swim laps. That's great. What's your favorite vacation spot? My favorite vacation spot, um, Aspen. What is your morning routine? I wake up at about 6 a.m., um, have an espresso, a banana, go to the gym, um, typically done by the gym by 7.30, um, try to call um, a few friends, family, you sometimes, um, before, <laughs> but before 8.15 in the morning, um, they just kind of you know, brain dump all of my thoughts for the day so I can start clear at my desk by 8.30, 8.45. Okay. Do you have any aspirational goals? I would say my aspirational goal is just to continue to be viewed as someone that does right by others um, because I truly believe that if you do the right thing um, and you have a great attitude, everything else falls into place. So, you know, just like many of us in this world, still waiting for my call from the mothership. But if I think if I just keep being, you know, a good person, a hard worker and doing right by others, um, everything will work itself out. Somehow it does. What are you reading, watching, or listening to? Um, I listen to um, a lot of Grateful Dead. Um, I do that. Because <laughs> and you are a big deadhead. That is worth sharing, right? <laughs> um, and... Yeah, I think it helps keep me chill. Um, I mean, I, I'm not really that chill. So I think the more that I can, you know, listen to chill music, the better it is. Um, I am watching 
I mean, this is us. Like I still watch this is us. There's a new episode on tonight, um, which I'm, which I'm super excited about. Um, I'm reading, um, in November of last year, I bought the subscription to Harvard Business Review, like the app on my phone. It's extremely affordable. I think it's like a hundred bucks for the year. Um, so every day I try to read one or two articles from the Harvard Business Review just to keep myself um, sharp um, with people that are way smarter than me. I like that. And last question, where can people connect with you? If somebody is out there listening and they maybe they want to be a sales manager at Compass Florida or they just want to know you better, how's, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, I think the best way to um, reach me is just personal email. I'm jpolishuk, P-O-L-A-S-H-U-K um, at gmail.com. Well, thank you, Jeff. I I appreciate you taking the time to talk about your role at Compass and this developing story of what contemporary sales management is all about. Yep. Well, thank you so much for having me and um, have a have a beautiful afternoon. Talk to you soon. This episode of From the Ground Up was sponsored by Feather the Nest, the crowdfunding source for all of your real estate needs. Why register for silverware when you can start your way to owning or renting your own home? Please sign up for your nest at www.featherthenest.com. A special thanks to my extraordinary producer, Sohail Fazludin, who has made this podcast possible.